This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We disappeared. We're back. We'll never apologize. Never. The Super Bowl has happened. It is the offseason. On today's show, we are talking about the Packers free agency a little bit, the Packers upcoming draft a little bit, and the upcoming labor negotiations, including the new proposed CBA by the owners. I don't know what episode this is. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. about the Green Bay Packers is right here. We are back. I'm Mike Fleischman in my beautiful South Side of State. Joining me as always, it's Matt Mellum Setter. Hey, man. Hey. We we have we have missed each other for for about a month. Yeah, been busy. Now. Yes, been busy doing things, man. We've been busy doing things, but we're back here. We've got uh, important things to talk about. Some of the most important stuff that I think will will affect the NFL going forward. We do. You have been you have been using high tech equipment to become a a world renowned film director. Sure, we'll say something like that. I have been yeah. using high tech equipment to become a world renowned sports broadcaster. That is we'll, correct. We'll just say something about yeah. something like that. <laughs> Uh, rest assured, folks, that we're not we're not just sort of like flying by the seat of our pants in our real life. No, totally. The not. way we do on this podcast, we, we are actually incredibly well put together, well funded people who well all organized. work for yeah. very prestigious organizations yeah. and do things at the highest level of and, our profession. And get paid really the amount yes. that we deserve yes. for our work. <laughs> I, I certainly haven't done my taxes recently and been reminded how well I get paid for all the work I do. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely not. Me neither. That's not anything that I've been doing recently. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the the new tax bill that massively, massively effed up the way that uh, freelancers and independent contractors yeah, work. I can't by the way, can't wait to look at my I, I could, my taxes yet, and I'm very scared. I couldn't possibly support it less. Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't either. I remember sending a letter after letter after letter to my reps in South Dakota, who are not my reps anymore, but I know my Illinois people got yeah. me. So I never once got a response. So I yeah. called them bad names. Um, we got the CBA on the docket. We got Packers free agency stuff. Mike, where do you want to start? Let's start at Packers free agency. All right. All right. Let's just use the Acme packing company free agent list. They're good with it. Yeah, they are currently 14 unrestricted free agents. A lot of these we've already known about Packers coming into this season have glaring holes, but also have certain things figured out that they haven't had figured out in the mm-hmm. past. Uh, topping the list is Dronomai Allison at wide receiver. I do not expect him back. No, me neither. Uh, Brian Balaga at offensive tackle. The team has been slow to start contract negotiations with him, but I don't think that's odd because, frankly, like Balaga as a veteran has a lot of leverage on their side. Mm-hmm. So the Packers trying to trying to get a better deal out of him than than Balaga might want is a good idea. I'm assuming the teams come and the Belog as people come to terms because he's important and he's well liked. Yeah. And he's worth the spending money at the moment. Yeah, I think so too. You know, the Packers have a decent amount of of, of room under the cap. And 
it's a it's a deep receiver it's a deep receiver class, so I don't expect them to go out and spend big bucks on a you know a second option receiver, which I think this team really needs. I expect that to come through the draft and and probably something similar with linebacker. There's a few options out there for linebacker, but blog at at, at, at right tackle is pretty necessary for this team. And the option otherwise is move Billy Turner over. Um, you know they've they've been vocal about keeping Elton Jenkins on the inside, and I think that's the right move. He was he was remarkable uh, in this first season. Further down the list, Ibrahim Camel. This is a question mark for Green Bay. I don't think you have to go after him hard at all because he barely played an injury that kept him out all season. I doubt that there's any other team that's going to be willing to lock him up for anything other than a training camp deal. Yeah. So you can you can see what happens with Ibrahim Campbell. Mason Crosby was re-signed to a three-year, $13 million contract. It is most likely the last NFL contract that Mason Crosby will sign. Mm-hmm. He will there is, of course, you know, a lot of opt-out options after year two on that. I'm assuming that Crosby is is going to be all right. He seems to have the right mindset for a, a veteran. Yeah, he's he's done all the things he needs to do. He's gotten really ripped and looks like Peter Dinklage. Yeah, he's, he's Peter he's Dinklage good. were really ripped, so yeah. it's good. And he's 35. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's probably right. Last contract. This will take him to 38 if he's on it for every year. Um, I don't know the statistics on this, but it would be interesting to find out because the Packers the the last three kickers that the Packers have employed yeah. are Chris Jackie, Ryan Longwell, and then Mason Crosby. Yeah. All three of them held and then were eclipsed by the replacement as the Packers all-time leading scorer. It's pretty impressive. I wonder how many other NFL teams can mm-hmm. say that about their last three kickers. I'm assuming more than we think Probably. because of the way that you know every, every amount of scoring in the NFL has gone up in, yeah. in this time. More extra points, more field goals, that sort of shit, but... Crosby, the Packers' leading all-time scorer. Uh, behind him on the list, Tyler Irvin. I would like to get him back. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm in the middle on this. I'd like to see him back. I also understand if he doesn't come back, but if he does not come back, I think expect the Packers to go at, at a Tyler Irvin-type running back, you know, explosive running back slash wide receiver hybrid type guy in the draft, um, you know, Tyler Irvin's nothing special. You know what I mean? He he's he's fine. He's he's a gadget kind of guy. But just what he did for this team down the stretch last year shows the importance of that type of a player in LaFleur's system. And I, I, I think maybe in the third, fourth, fifth round you can find somebody who's maybe a little bit better than Tyler Irvin who can give you that kick return, give you that uh running back stuff out of the backfield. Um but yeah. on a rookie contract. I like I like your read on him. Nothing special. I just think that what impressed me and the thing that put him over the top is that he was able to play on offense within yeah. two weeks of being signed in the team. That tells me that he paid attention. Yeah. And went and did his homework and got himself a spot. Kyler Fackrell, I'll see you later. Yeah. Bye bye. Yeah. Fackrell <laughs> wants more money in playing time. Uh, I think he earned both of them. I just don't think that he's in the Packers plans because there's you know $70 billion wrapped up between the Smiths and then you've got Rashawn Gary, who needs needs to have a lot more snaps next season. Yeah, I don't know if he's good or not yet, but he's got to figure that out. BJ Goodson behind him. Interesting. There's a lot of yeah. talk about Packers drafting at inside linebacker. Goodson was never good or bad for the Packers. He was almost entirely unseen. Yeah, he, he was <laughs> as advertised. He yeah. played more against teams that ran the ball a lot and we know how the Packers run defense was. Yeah. Not anything. Uh, great. Uh, Ryan Grant is apparently a wide receiver that was on the team late. We never saw him. I don't think he ever, 
you know, was in the the active roster. I think he was always in that like six or seven, you know, that were were inactive each week. Um, so we never saw him. Who knows? I, I don't expect him back. Mercedes Lewis would be shocked to see him back. Seems like a, a good tight end. Word from the team. Sources are saying that Jimmy Graham is a good chance of coming back for an, hit the third year of his contract. A lot of it because they they want to play. Uh, they want to play. I'm going to edit out this long pause. Sure. Stone. No. Sternberger. Sternberger. Sure. Yeah. I want to say Stoneburner because there was yeah. another tight end named Stoneburner. Stoneburner. Um, good name. Yeah, that is a really good name. Stern Sternberger. Less good. Yeah. It's just German, but. The, the Sternberger-Jimmy Graham combination could be very good or it could not be very good. Who knows? Lewis, at this point, if he's not willing to come back on the vet minimum. See ya. Yeah, it might be uh, might be a good time to call it a career for Lewis yeah. as well. I mean, he's, he's what, 30, he'll be 36 next year, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and I, I can't think of, of who has been you know 36 and still been effective at the tight end position, I guess. Jason Witten, I think he was 37 or 38 when he called it quits. And went to the booth. Uh, Antonio Gates is old. I think he just retired. Yeah. That's really about all I can think of. Um, <clears throat> it's it, You know, tight end's a tough position to play deep into your career. Football's a tough sport to play deep into your 30s. I've heard. Uh, Blake Martinez, this is the biggest question mark. I The market for Blake Martinez is going to overpay him, yeah, would be my time. guess. And that's... The Packers might have to take an L on that one because you'd love to see Blake Martinez for another three or four years on a good yeah. deal. That would be fine with me. Yeah, Blake Martinez comes back for for six or seven million. That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, the rumors I've seen is he's looking for ten plus. No, which hey, see you later. Good luck. Uh, if you he know? can, if he can get that, more power to yeah. him. Also, go get your money, man. If, but, if he, if if there's a team willing to offer that to him, but with with Martinez, you check you check a few boxes that are. I'm not going to say impossible to find an inside linebacker. Like you don't have a, a star or an, or an all pro there, but you've got a guy who stays on the fucking field. Yeah. It plays every snap, Just plays every snap. Uh, yeah. Knows, knows everything there is to know about how the defense should be run. Yep. And is a very good tackler. Yeah. He, you know, physicals are the physicals as far as getting there and when he gets there and how quickly he diagnoses it are, are not, are what keep him from being a pro perennial mm-hmm. pro bowler and all pro first team kind of guy like that. But Oh, there's nothing wrong with him for the right price. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's 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 if you see Blake Martinez with a really it's another solid inside linebacker, that's a great crew. You know, Blake Martinez with a BJ Goodson, Goodson type and Oren Burks type, maybe not so much. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Blake Martinez walk and and for the Packers to look at uh, you know Corey Littleton out of free agency or somebody like Kenneth Kenneth Murray out of the draft coming from Oklahoma. And uh, there's some, some, some good options uh, at linebacker this year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers look elsewhere. Will Redmond at safety is a huge question mark. I'm assuming he does not get any sort of sort of guaranteed contract extension offered to him. Jason Spriggs is going to be out of the league. Yep. Most <laughs> likely play, yeah. uh, Jared Feld here is going to most likely get a training in ca- training camp invite. Yeah, I guess if he doesn't retire, I mean, he retired before last year. He's already retired several times. So, you know, just do what you want, man. (laughs) Uh, Danny Vitale could be an interesting prospect. Again, I don't think that the market for him is uh, the Packers aren't going to be bidding against anyone for for short fullbacks who don't get on the field very often. Yeah, he played something like 33% of the snaps, Mm -hmm. something low. Um, 
I think it was twenty percent in the final seven games, twenty percent of the snaps in the final seven games. He didn't see the field much. Nobody's going to be bidding for him. I think you can get Danny on a Vetman. And then you've got Tremont Williams at cornerback, who had himself a, a good Year. season yeah. for for someone his age and did did a real good job. I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers brought him back. Yeah, he, he played surprisingly well. He'll be thirty seven uh, this March, um, but you know it's 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 really rare that you see. Uh, Somebody at 37 in the league. Uh, the Packers had two of them. Uh, Charles Woodson from 2013 to 2015. He was over 37. And Al Harris in 2011. He was 37. So it's pretty incredible. Uh, but the Packers have a history of having these kind of guys on the squad. You know, he, He's a good locker room guy, a good presence around there. And he, he certainly proved he can still play. Last well, year. I thought for sure that last year's plan was to have him Essentially, as a player coach, yes, and that you, you had all these young young guys at the cornerback and safety position that were just going to benefit from having Tremont Williams. Mm-hmm. And if the wheels came off, you could get him out there and play him a little yeah. bit. And you know, as long as as long as he wasn't matched up against anyone remotely fast, he yeah. he would have yeah. a decent day. And it, he, but held he played own. a bunch instead. Huh. One a restricted free agent. That's Malcolm Johnson, a fullback. I have no idea who Malcolm Johnson is. Ed, so that's fine. And then exclusive rights free agents. And this is Kumaro, who I'm assuming is going to fight for another roster spot at wide receiver mm-hmm. this year. Tyler Lancaster is going to do the same thing at defensive tackle. Those, wow, those guys are such evenly like the, you know, sort of like filler spots at both yeah. those positions. Totally can see the field and you mm-hmm. won't notice, but you won't notice them doing anything bad either. Alan Lazard at wide receiver. He's who, coming back. Yeah, he should he should get brought back. Absolutely. Shannon Sullivan at cornerback, who I don't think is part of the long term plans. No, but hey, he played well he when played he saw really the field. well when he saw the field. I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't be upset with him getting a neither contract. Me. And Robert Tanyan at tight end, who just threatens every year to start breaking out and then doesn't. So yeah, then he gets hurt. He makes yep. a couple big plays and then he gets hurt and plays eight snaps for the rest of the season. You go, huh? Huh, Robert Tanyan, see you next year. Yeah. There may not be a, a next year. That's when you look at that list of free agents, that's a good list because you are not talking outside. I don't think outside of Blake Martinez and Brian Balaga, you are not talking about anyone that makes or breaks any yeah. position group on the team. Not a single impact player on mm-hmm. that list besides those two. Uh, yeah. Which is you know great to hear because the the main core of a, a team that goes to the champ, the championship game is still intact, you know, it's going to be back and in the second year of the offense. It's good to see. So those are your Packers free agents right now. Uh, Packers at the draft are, well, every team in the draft right now has to be thinking about who they can get at wide receiver. Yeah. Because there's, there's talk. I'm not, I'm not a draft man. I don't know my draft histories, but there is, is talk amongst people who are not known exaggerators that this could be the best wide receiver class in history. Uh, yeah, it, it, maybe not the best in like a, a top end talent way, but the best in a, a depth way. You know, I, I, I think you're going to be able to get starting quality guys in the second and third round this year. So there's there's the possibility there. There's the possibility that you are going to be looking in the draft for a new full time inside linebacker mm-hmm. to take the care of take the place of Blake Martinez. And one more note from the Packers is that Aaron Jones is publicly stating he wants a new contract with Green Bay. He he wants to stay around. I I 
don't know that he gets it unless it's very amenable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I know that he gets it, but he's a. Uh, yeah, he's he's trying to do the right things right now, which is to start the process early. Yeah, I I would say absolutely, probably not. We you know we we've seen time and time again what happens when you sign a you know high volume usage running back to a long extension. It almost never works out for the for the team. Um, so I would say no, let's not bring him back. Um. But that sucks, you know. Aaron Jones, wonderful season last year. Yeah, he did really well. I'm, I'm, I want to kind of turn it to you and like the idea of who, yeah, the Packers are not going to draft very high in any round this year. It'll be late first round, late, late picks coming in for the Packers. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there someone that that you've seen through college that is really topping your list, either? wide receiver, linebacker, anyone else that the Packers could get late first round. Um, yeah, I really love Jalen Rager out of TCU and Justin Jefferson out of, of LSU. They're two wide receivers, probably both, you know, uh, Rager had a, a pretty stellar uh, combine. He blew the charts away with the explosion stuff. His, his, his vertical, his broad jump, everything like that. Um, struggled in like the three cones. So the agility doesn't really match up what the Packers are looking for or what they typically look for in their, you know, profiles of you know got to be six foot five run a four three have no ball skills um describing uh mvs uh but you know jalen rager 511 195 he ran a four three five forty he ran some crazy 40 time um I, he's he's somebody i'm looking at justin jefferson as well great ball skills can go up and get it uh both of them with their combines might not even be available at 30 even though you know they're maybe five or six out of this wide receiver class, you know, it's, it's just, there's, there's so much talent going around. Even if you whiff on those guys, you're going to be able to find somebody else. I like the idea of drafting at wide receiver. I think it's, it's time to put some skilled players around Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's been time for a minute. It's been time for about five years. The Packers have had a lot of undue faith in yeah. some guys who just were never going to break out and make it. I'm looking at Geronimo Allison as, as, as yeah. a guy who's, not to say he's ever been a bad player, but he's never been a good player. He's no. been a very average wide receiver for the Packers when he's been healthy. It's it's time to put some actual skill yeah. around Rodgers and try and make it work. And frankly, this is going to go against a lot of like the people who talk about the NFL's ideas, but I don't give a shit if the defense gets worse if you draft in favor of scoring more points. Yeah, absolutely. the defense is pretty good. The defense is pretty good, is. and de- the defense is stocked and is not really losing anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose Blake Martinez, but okay, you get more snaps for Rashawn. Get you find more ways to get Rashawn Gary on the field. You're gonna be you're gonna be fine. Just rush rush the rush the passer. It's very rare that anyone's gonna have a a performance like the 49ers did in the conference championship game. Who cares? Fill up the offense. Get a team Let's that can score it. 30, 40 a game. How did this, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Scoring they 40 might, to 50 a they game. They might have had a few offensive weapons yeah, on that team. They got a few offensive weapons on that team. So, you know, look to replicate what's being successful right now, you know? I agree. I'd like to see it. There's there's talk. There's a bunch of mock drafts have the Packers taking a quarterback in the first round, which... I've seen that. If if Justin Herbert drops or something. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with that. You know, I don't... I don't buy it this year. I don't think it's time yet. You know, maybe next year, maybe in two years. 
Aaron's still got like what four years on that contract. Yeah, it's purely for the contract too. It's not that it's not that I don't think they should be trying to look for talent at quarterback, but not in the first round. No, yeah. If you can get somebody good in the third, fourth round, sure, totally. But you know, we're you got to be in Super Bowl mode right now. Yep. You know, and and drafting a quarterback to develop for two, three years down the road is not being in Super Bowl mode. It's not. It's not the time for that. You know, you got to <laughs> look you got to at least give Aaron a chance before you draft his successor. You know, you, you, you've not taken any real quantifiable offensive talent in the first three rounds in almost a decade. <laughs> Devonte Adams was what a second round pick uh, in 2014. And that's the last major offensive piece I can think of the Packers taking in the first or second round. That's not a offensive lineman. And you got to give him a shot. Give get somebody good and let him play. There we go. Possible uh, possible replacement for Blake Martinez is the Browns Joe Schobert. Yeah, at yeah. linebacker. Uh, current article as of today actually wow. saying that the uh, the Packers want to spend about eight million on Martinez, who wants ten million. Yeah. So it's a little bit different from your six or seven. Yeah. It puts them a little bit closer together, but this article also is, is naming off some salaries that I didn't know happened, such as like Bobby Wag- Wagner getting 54 for three years. Yeah. He's getting like 17, which is uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, CJ Mosley gets 17 per season. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty crazy. If Anthony Hitchens can get 9 million, Blake can get 10. Blake can get 10 somewhere. Yeah. Which, which means, you know, I'm not, super uh, confident that deal gets done for the Packers, but you know, there's, there's some, some available guys in this draft that I like. I, I really like Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Um, he's, he's, he's pretty incredible. Uh, he looks like a, uh, he looks like a superhero. You look at Kenneth mm-hmm. Murray and you're like, you deserve a cape and a spandex suit. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's remarkable. So, you know, he, he might be gone at by 30, but never count out Brian Gutkunst to trade up and get his guy. You know, so also the Bears, Nick Kwiatkowski. Yeah, being loved, talked about. love to see that. Have another uh, Adrian Amos, uh, Clinton Dix sure. uh, offseason. Possibilities there at linebacker. I'm with you. I don't think you draft a quarterback this year unless no it's no. Way. I, I would say that for, for what you've been able to find right now, like right now, you need someone who's at least intriguing because Tim Boyle beat out a guy who in Deshaun Kaiser, who was extremely well regarded by yeah. the NFL draft, coming out by the NFL draft world. And also me. Yes. And also you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love he, he, he had everything that, that sometimes successful NFL quarterbacks have. Yeah. And then it just didn't pan out. But Tim Boyle ha- was intriguing enough to keep over that. And at this point, like anyone you draft is going to have to be intriguing enough yeah. to, to be in a decent fight with, with Tim Boyle. Who already has like something that something is is at least rarer among NFL quarterbacks, and that's the ability to throw the fucking ball really yeah. deep, throw it really yeah. really far, like extremely extremely Fun. strong arm, strong arm, and improving mechanics. Yeah, which you've got that in a backup. I don't know what else you need at this point when your quarterback's the highest paid player in the yeah. league. Look, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, season's done. Yeah. You don't prep for doomsday. There's no reason to prep yep. for doomsday. Cause if doomsday hits, 
just mail it in for next year. Yeah. And you know, it's the time of the year when we talk favorably about backups, but I've, I've liked Tim Boyle for two reasons for throughout the entire thing. And that's incredibly strong arm. Yeah. Fuck it. Attitude. Yeah. Like yeah, he'll he, just throw he it. throws the ball at people. Yeah. Like if Fair. you've got a backup in there, fuck it. Throw it. Just let it go. Yeah. Like if you throw an interception, you're gonna throw. You're gonna throw more interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah. So let's just try. It. Yeah. Let's try. Just it. Give it a shot. Don't yeah. don't stand back there. Don't take sacks. Yeah. No. Let it fly. Don't try and we're not gonna yeah. win. Thread the needle. Throw yeah. up. Th- make a 50-50 ball thirty <laughs> yards deep every time. Who yeah. cares? We're not gonna win unless yeah. you make the greatest throw of your career. Yeah. So let's try. Yeah. It. Make some. Do some of that mojo stuff that. You know, all all of the great starting quarterbacks have that have have a mojo ability to where like they do things that where the odds are not in their favor and they yeah. work. Yeah, it, that throw to Jamal Williams yes. uh, last season where Aaron's falling back and he flips it over Jimmy Graham's head. No one in the world saw that. He didn't see it, yeah. but he threw it. it wasn't and that's a good idea. It worked. It worked yeah. really well. Bad ideas work sometimes, is what I'm saying. Great. Well, we got to do it. Let's step away for just a moment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Alex Jones thing where I shuffle the papers sure, shuffle the to papers. show how many papers. Folks, ready. I've got all these papers. Folks, I have the reports. I have the government reports. He does not have any documents, folks. Just by the way, I have the documents. In case you're, he doesn't have any documents. <laughs> this man is a liar. <laughs> um, but I I have. I have the documents. He has the documents. I can see them. He does have them. They're printed out from Wikipedia, and we'll talk about the CBA a little bit. When we come back, it's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. My baby went to the Bahamas. I went to Egypt to the llamas. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I love coconut water. It's it's somehow more polite to be drinking this than like a giant can of soda. Sure. But it's the same shit and it's delicious. This is not, not sponsored by Goya. Uh, yes, Goya, Goya coconut cut us water. Cut a fucking check yeah. if you want us to keep talking about it's it. It's available at Aldi for 98 cents for this big can. And we'll talk about it endlessly for yes. 99 cents. Yeah. You Venmo me 99 cents, I'll, we'll talk about it. If you Venmo him for the coconut water I paid for, yeah. I'm going to be upset And at I'll you, send him 54 of those cents. <laughs> Cause I'm the I'm the freaking owner here. Yeah. I'm running the Goya scam. <laughs> All right, Matt, Matt runs the scams. This stuff is delicious. Though. It's got a little coconut pieces in it, naturally Ooh. hydrating because there's water in it. <laughs> and that's you know that's natural hydration opposed yeah. to artificial yeah. hydration, which is <laughs> which? Uh, drinking mist. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Soda mist. Sugar. I water. remember when I was a kid. You know, I I went to. I'm going to digress here because sure. this is fun. Um, I went to a, what is called a gifted and talented grade school. I was put in a program <laughs> yeah. for smart kids, which any of you who know me in real life knows yeah. that that is probably <laughs> the worst thing that you could do for a little Fauntleroy like myself yeah. when I was a little kid, yeah. but uh, they like to challenge us. And I think that it was a, 
It was the critical thinking exercises that I remember most from from that. In that one, they make you think as a fifth grader that you could solve all the world's problems. And two, they actually like put you in a framework of of being a problem solver. Yeah. Like there's a bad and a good there. Of course, yeah. there's a trade-off. But one of the things that 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 we were tasked to, because this was 1990 or 1989 and thereabouts. And the world as a whole was just beginning to become very cognizant of environmental issues. Mm-hmm. Of course, we did nothing about it. Now Australia burned down. Yeah. But, um, but I, like, there's totally nothing happening with the climate. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, there's totally Yeah. We are a climate change good. denier podcast. That's what we are. Um, but the, <laughs> Earth Day had just become a thing, you yeah. know. There was network television was having these events where, like, you know, we'd, we'd show pictures of people planting trees and yeah. we'd love it. So there was this idea that, like, can you, fifth graders, work out a plan to solve <laughs> some problems with the environment? We were learning about resource scarcity and such. Yeah. And so I came up with a foolproof plan that I still think that we should implement because okay. I learned that water was two atoms of hydrogen yeah. and one atom of oxygen. Yeah, okay. And I thought to myself, instead of relying on the water that we have, fuck that. Let's make more Whoa. out of hydrogen yeah. and oxygen. Fuck you. Because surely there must be yeah. a lot of hydrogen and oxygen laying around. Just loose atoms. isn't water. <laughs> we can slam yes. together in the Hadron Collider and make water droplets. Yeah, never mind, of course, like, you know, the, the Einsteinian principles of, like, conservation <laughs> of energy and matter, Newtonian principles we'll of it. those things. Doesn't matter. Never mind those things. We are just going to make more water because you could just surely go to some sort of a store yeah. or a mine somewhere and find hydrogen. Just purchase just it in bulk. Out. Yeah. Slam it together with some uh, and oxygen. oxygen. Like we breathe. We got it. It's we got everywhere. it. We, got yeah, it. we, we breathe oxygen. A handful of hydrogen atoms and just run it through the air really fast in your hand and it'll make yes. a bunch of water. Um, that does not work in real life. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have learned since then that that does not work uh, in, in the real world. So um, problem solving. I love, yeah, love thinking about how to solve problems. I love coming up with ideas that are physically impossible. Um, and it's my fault that Australia burned down. I'm very sorry. Yeah, you should have figured that out. Yeah, uh, I should have worked on definitely that. Definitely your responsibility. And now, hey, now it's on my generation. Yeah. Man. I'm not doing it. I, I'm not really. Hey, yeah. In my gifted program, I was in the gifted program too. You know what I did? I came up with a petition that we deserved one day of nap time per month. Oh my Lord. I got it signed by every single kid in the program. I gave it to my teacher and she said, this isn't happening. And I said, Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, that tried and true bargaining And we got of, it. We got one, on. we got 30 minutes of nap time. Oh my it goodness. Great. It was wonderful. It's the only thing I've ever accomplished. In my life. This, this goes very much to my thesis that like you, the gifted kids, like if you identify kids who are quote gifted and put them in a separate class all by themselves, they're going to become oh, tyrants. Maniacs. Yeah. We like had- what you should do is, what you should do is like put them in. <laughs> normal classes yeah and and you should create a synergy of like the kids who are quote gifted with the kids you don't think are gifted because here's the other this is more more of a, a thing as well is that yeah the the gifted kids in my school district yeah the dc ever school district were to almost to a person the white sons and daughters of local management class people. Mm. This was a class based yeah. selection. It was not to my knowledge, 
you know, there were of course outliers in this, but yeah. this was very much a class-based selection. Yeah. As to who the gifted kids were, there were there were kids being like lifted out of normal classes. Were like, what if? Just like the rest of the world, classes were made up of people. Just everyone. Yeah. Who were maybe were gifted or maybe not so gifted. Yeah. You know, like maybe, maybe that kid who I remember all through grade school who for show and tell every year would bring his one stuffed animal that he owned. He'd stand up in front of the class with a big grin and go, this is my beanie. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe he's pretty smart. Maybe it could have helped. If we didn't like leave him in a corner, him. Yeah. yeah, we didn't put him away from everyone and go. You're the smart people. Hey, everyone yeah. else, you know, do your best. You know, maybe maybe there was something to be gained from having all of us yeah. together as working as I don't know a collective, yeah, so that we could bargain and agree on things. But they keep they teach you class structure early. They do. Like, they teach you. They embed they that in your do. fucking brain early. <laughs> oh, ah, it's a Gemini. Gotta I'm natural. I'm naturally hydrated. <laughs> so. Here's, here's the idea, and if we look at the documents, folks, the current NFL CBA, which was negotiated during an owner lockout of the players in 2011 that ended in July of 2011, goes for 10 years, covers the, the NFL and the owners and also the Players Association, which is the union that the players belong to. Mm-hmm. It covers them and through the end of this upcoming season. Uh, the owners trying to get out in front of things and trying to sort of dangle the threat of a lockout all throughout this season are proposing a new collective bargaining agreement to the players, are doing it a year in advance and are doing it with the rhetoric of this is the only offer you get. Which is yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah, I, I I think Cheeseheads in Chicagoland argument number one here is gonna have to be do not believe that. Yeah. It's, that it's, is lies. Shut the fuck <laughs> yeah. up and fuck off. Yeah, that is made out of lies. It is not real. Yeah. You wanna make money this year, yes. don't you? You okay. wanna make money this year, you wanna have football played. <laughs> work with us yeah, here. Remember here. We that, play yeah. the game. I would, here's the thing. I'd love to see the owners play football. That yeah. would be great. I'd love to see them on a field in pads playing football. I'd pay for that. Anyone who's ever negotiated anything from anyone else knows that the first offer made a year in advance isn't final. Nope. <laughs> nope. They're trying to get ahead of something. Uh, yeah. And it's a bad offer. It's, it's not good. Uh, some bullet points of this. Um, the wages and economics portion, 40% of annual revenue in this year, 47% plus a hundred million in new player costs above the current CBA for this year. And then 48% share of revenue in 2021 will increase to 48.5 through the rest of the new CBA. That's a projected increase of around $5 billion to players during the course of a new 10 year deal. Um, so when, when you see, if if you're reading this stuff, folks, when you see the words projected over the course, yeah. cross it out <laughs> because that's imaginary money that yeah. doesn't exist. It's not real. Yes. You need to cross that out. And you also kind of need to take, take the very basic position that any revenue sharing agreement that doesn't have a 51 to 52% player floor is a bad agreement. Yep. Uh, just in case you were, in case you were looking at, at that there's, from, from another way, there's 32 owners. Yes. And there's hundreds of players, mm-hmm. but 
<laughs> the owners get <laughs> over 50%. Yes. The players get, we'll give you a 0.5. 47 in you, 2020. We'll point. Yep. We'll give you a point on that. Yeah. A, a point on that is not going to do it. Um, most, uh, most other leagues have had to have seen their, their bargaining power dip and they've had to dip into the upper forties. It's, it's absolute garbage, uh, but that is the reality of it. And the NFL, the NFL players being a more diverse group and being a less unified group yeah. are in a, in a spot where good union leadership will keep them out of this, but they need to be, pretty alert. Yeah. And it's, right now it's also a thing of, of, you know, you look at basketball, you look at, you look at baseball, you know, they get 48%. It sucks, but they're not risking the rest of their life to play the game. Yes. You know, it, it, it's, 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 it's a different thing when, you know, you finish the game and you're going to be fine. You retire from baseball and you're going to be able to tell stories to your grandkids and your great grandkids. And, you know, everyone else you meet and have a clear mind and conscious. Uh, It's much different for football guys, guys, 30, 40 years after playing the game are not the same as, as a baseball player, 34 years afterwards, Uh, not the same as a basketball player, 30, 40 years afterwards, guys, 10 years after playing football are not the same as they were at 20, 25. And that does not, that does not come up anywhere in the CBA. I'm sure there's nothing about insurance for, for the rest of your life is I, Saw th- I saw a thing the other day that was talking about, you know, uh, NFL players talking about how they need, you know, health insurance for the rest of their life after playing football, which I think totally fair, totally, totally fair. However, you know, vote for Bernie. Let's let's get let's get health insurance for everyone, not just NFL players. Um, but uh, it was it was a thing about the the the, you know, the I forget the insurance word for it, the um, liability. I think it would be that lies with player with the owners or the 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 NFL as an organization was supposedly who knows I, I didn't fact check who was saying this current was owner representation or whatever was yep. that it was astronomical was that it was impossible yeah it's impossible to gauge gauge liability uh, we'll get to the life insurance benefits coming up uh, next benefit is uh, minimum salaries a hundred thousand dollar increase for 2020 rookie minimums uh going up to 150k increase in 2021 and then a 45k increase each year afterwards double each of those numbers and you're somewhere yeah, where i think then is, we can is talk. fair then yeah. we can talk um see the problem you know and when you talk about labor negotiations one of the things that you do when you put this out a year early mm-hmm. is that you give the players a chance to make you know, essentially what I call the Sanders gambit these days okay. in that um, now I'm a, I'm a Sanders supporter. This is a pro Sanders podcast yes. in, in very big ways. But the idea being that I do not honestly think that Bernie Sanders can produce everything that he wants to for the American people. Of course not. But I think that because he does not start from a position of compromise, he is in the strongest bargaining position with anyone that might oppose him or want to mitigate his plans. There is absolutely no sense during any sort of campaign or public relations cycle, which is what is happening right now, both in the presidential campaign and in the NFL CBA negotiations to stake anything other than the most favorable positions. Yep. So this is the most favorable stuff for the owners the players have the same ability to counter with that yeah. now. And, um, and they will, and they will. And yes. they, they absolutely should. Uh, 
they they turned this proposal down. Um, and one of the leading voices, Flatly. yeah, of course, as they should have, uh, they should have done it. Um, they should have seen the first, the first union rep to see this should have gone, what the fuck? No, get this out of here. Um, and, and, uh, you know, a leading voice in that, uh, charge was Aaron Rodgers, And, and we talked about it before being on air here, but you know, it's, it's, it's very typical that I would, that I think both of us would say, don't send your highest paid player to represent you. You know, if you're if they're speaking for the floor as well, you know, you send a, a the, one of the highest paid players in the NFL to represent you. It's most of the time not going to work out well. Aaron Rodgers is a good guy, man. He knows what he's he knows what he's doing. and He's fighting for everybody on the team. Yeah, he was he was one of the first players to speak out. There have been a couple of of high profile NFL guys speaking out about this. J.J. Watt is another one. Yeah, which uh, you know his tweet was just like that's a flat no. Yeah, good. <laughs> which, yes, he should okay. have said yeah. yeah no, that's that's okay. uh, very correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the two highest profile guys who are going to be involved in the uh, union negotiations from the players' side are going to be. Well, Rogers simply because he's the highest paid player in the league and he's the Packers player representative. Yeah, and he's and also Richard Sherman, who yeah. is actively on their board. Yeah. So he is the most active high profile NFL player. The other the other board members for the NFL Players Association right now are We'll go up to the top here. Eric Winston is the president, but he is retired, so he will have to be replaced. Richard Sherman strongly in the running for that. Mark Herzlich is the treasurer. And uh you know, he is a I believe a retired player, but you know, he can he's still on that. Sam Acho is the vice president, Lorenzo Alexander is the president, Zach Diossi is the vice president. You're 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 yeah. getting the idea of like these guys had some profile in the NFL, but they're not you know someone that you know immediately. Mm-hmm. Tom Morstead, the punter is a vice president. Russell Okung, we've all heard of, mm. is a vice president. Richard Sherman is a vice president. Uh, Michael Thomas, Adam Vinatieri, Ben Watson. Like these are, yeah. you know, these are the kind of level of players that, yeah. that you know, Michael, find that. Michael Thomas, he's, he's a superstar, but yeah. you know, for the most part, it's guys that, that were once stars, were once, you know, not household names, but everybody who was a fan of that team knew him, you know, a, a, a starting guy, but you know, not superstars. So that's that's who is is there and is going to be dealing with this. There's some other minimum salary increase things that are all, you know, all around that same uh, same idea of like mm-hmm. if you double it, we'll start talking. Uh, training camp hours rules are, I think, are are interesting in that like there's not as many things in here that you can turn down flatly. A five day acclimation period basically a five day, like get back into shape period, which that should happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, limit time at facility di- during a workday limit, 16 days in pads. No, there's, there's things there. Yeah. Um, uh, mandated improvements to visiting team locker rooms, uh, uh, across the league standards for rehabilitation facilities, training rooms and equipment, which the fact that that doesn't exist yes, is, is it's crazy. Pretty in, it's pretty wild. Yeah. That, that doesn't exist. That's absolutely mad. Uh, benefit increases, pension increase of 10%. Again, double it. And yeah. We're, we're going to start talking uh, 401k matching contribution increased to uh, 30k annual increases thereafter. Um, I know of certain universities that we both graduated from that have a better 401k program than the <laughs> NFL um, annuity increased to 110k per year. Um, tuition reimbursement, life insurance. Now this is the thing. Um, the NFL's life insurance max is out at 450k. What? That's what? Now that's 
Now, hold on as I press pause. That's a health reimbursement arrangement. So it's not a straight up life insurance. Okay. It's a, it's essentially a, like a, a form of health insurance. Okay. It's like, it's like when Bush was talking about like the health spending plans, this is, okay. you know, this is a, a version of that. That's very much that maxes out at 450 K for a former NFL still, player. That's nothing. That's not enough. That's nothing at all. Add vision covers to healthcare plan. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Christ. But yeah, like the idea that there would be life insurance at all is yeah. apparently new. Injury protection of 100% salary up to 2 million. Enough to cover fifty <laughs> yeah. percent of yeah. the NFL, sixty-five percent yeah. of the NFL, maybe. I think at the tail, you know, at the tail end of most rookie contracts, you're going to be coming up at two million dollars. I think Jamal Williams, who is a fifth-round pick, scheduled to make two million dollars this year. So you know, it's not covering enough players and not enough of their salaries. It should be full salary guaranteed. I, mean, I think it's also important that the NFL starts to move towards fully guaranteed contracts for everybody. Man, it's. That might not be something that you know we see in in this CBA, or but I think it's something that players need to be be bringing up and discussing. So the thing that the NFL, of course, did not publish mm-hmm. in there because this is the NFL's owners published account of like this is all sure. the things we're offering you. Here's the thing they didn't put in that. Uh oh, seventeen game regular yeah. season. Fuck you. And that's where <laughs> that's where you hit. The uh, the brick wall, folks. We gotta pay for all this stuff you want. Yeah, we aren't good. We could never make less money. Yeah, that point five percent it adds up to five billion dollars. Yeah, over <laughs> prospective increases of up to five billion dollars over the course of ten years. <laughs> oh boy, God. Oh boy. Oh dear. God. So, and you at home, the fan, might be wondering. Why? Why Mike and Matt is a 17 game regular season? Because the because uh, the owners are also trying to sell it along the lines of like, well, it would just take the place of the fourth preseason game. So we all play, you know, we all play six, 20 games minimum anyway. Mm-hmm. Why does it matter? And well, for one, like nobody of importance plays in the preseason in the preseason anymore. Not even you know, anyone with any sort of a guaranteed or slightly sure roster spot is playing mm-hmm. more than a game of preseason action total. That's yeah. Oh, that's become more than two time. quarters. I yeah. Think, really? <laughs> yeah. Anyone who can't demonstrate that they belong in the league when, with the one series that they get against uh, you know, first team guys from the other team is, is, done. <laughs> is not, is not worrying about yeah. it, but 17 game regular season in, in the face of everything that we've seen, in the last 10 years, like the, the amount uh, with how much smarter yeah. that the average person has gotten about what the NFL is and what it does to players and how the human body is really never supposed to do anything that the NFL player does yeah. to it for like a season, let alone 10 of them, yeah. let alone, you know, throughout high school and then college and then NFL yeah. like that is yep. a, a 17 game season in the face of that is one of the most arrogant, tone deaf, uh, and ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous suggestions I've ever heard. There is, there's no traction on it, and I'm very curious to see how far the NFL owners will go in order to get it. Like, will they lock out the NFL to get a 17th game? 
they can't. They you'd think can't. they can't. You'd think they can't. Right? I guess it. It. It's just and also don't forget add another wild card game too. They want to add another. So the Packers would not have gotten a buy last season. Um, so you know it's not just the 17th game. It's it's more teams making the postseason and having to play immediately following that 17th yes. game in the postseason. Yeah, seven seven playoff teams per yeah. per conference is is another one of those abs- absolutely no stickers. Yeah, like it just could dumb. Like a, a weak union would fold on the playoff restructuring if they could keep the seventeenth game off the regular season schedule. Mm-hmm. A strong union won't won't entertain can't. either of them. No, it can't. It's it's you know. I, what I think the NFL needs to do is a second bye week. Stick with 16 games at a second bye week. Um, and a week before the playoffs, too, I think. I agree, and I think that's actually a... Any good any good union, of course, exists to represent the interests of its members and to mm-hmm. be fierce and you know, to show solidarity, which is another going to be another big question yeah. for the NFL players because you have such a strong income disparity in between the, the least earners and the, the biggest earners. But another thing that a union does is a union collects data mm-hmm. and a union uses data the same way that the ownership and capitalist class will use data. If the capitalist, it's not only just about like, it's not just about like F you, we're the workers. We get yeah. what we want. That's a big part of it, but Should you be. have to be able to sit down at the table and back it up. Yeah. You know, that's, that's part of, that's kind of, you know, materialist analysis, one oh one kind of stuff of sure. like, you have to also be able to sit down and go like, well, here's data that says that the NFL is now a nationwide phenomenon in that mm. you, you are getting, well, not like huge interest from, from say fans in Chicago about the game happening out in Kansas city, or you're not getting huge interest from fans in Oregon about, you know, the giants playing the yeah. Redskins or whoever, the Washington team on, on the East coast. Like yeah. you are getting more than you used to yeah, because yeah. of, because of fantasy sports and such. Mm-hmm. And a good union will have like the wherewithal to make an argument that because it's a national level sport, like there's, you know, taking away a week where you have your local team in the market is, is going to matter to you less mm. thanks to a revenue sharing, sharing agreement because of how revenues are up everywhere. One of the things that stopped the 2011 lockout was the NFL players union demanding a full representation from the NFL owners about all of their finances and being willing to go to Congress to get yeah. it. It's one of the things that stopped that lockout. It could stop another one <laughs> because I don't think the owners, especially in the climate that we're in right now with, uh, you know, with, with say a popular presidential candidate yeah. talking a lot in very, very stark materialist terms about yeah. like what people make in America yeah. and like what the finances of people are. And, you know, and Mike Bloomberg, <laughs> Fuck you. Know, Fuck you. Yeah, we're upset right now, folks. Oh, it's a man. good time. It's a good time to be upset in America. <laughs> yeah. I'm personally very upset. And in America, it's uh, it's very good. I want to move to uh, to Mike Kills, who published this article out of uh, Byline is in Denver. I think this is from uh, Channel 9 News out in Denver. This is the best sort of like player rebuttal write up that I've that I've read on online 
So essentially, he says, let's begin with the beginning and the end of the owner's proposal, the 17th game. Yeah. So everything I went through yeah. is Doesn't essentially moot. Yeah, Does not matter. Is essentially moot because they want a 17th game. The owners not only want it, they insist on it. He writes, if there's no 17th game, there would be a lockout when the collective bargaining agreement expires at the end of the 2020 season. And essentially what the owners offer boils down to is take it now or take it a year from now. And you know, um, a point of distinction here, of course, I, most of our listeners, all four of you should know this, uh, the difference between a strike and a lockout, mm -hmm. because if there is a lockout at the end of the 2020 season, and if this is what's on the table right now, there will be yeah. um, a strike is when the players or any sort of workforce, a labor union walks away from the job. Yeah. And says the offer is is not acceptable, and you will not be able to profit off of our labor until the terms are met. A lockout is the opposite. A lockout is when the people who own the factory lock the doors yeah. and do not let the players back in. And ownership groups who lock out players or workers of any kind rely on um, they, as Chomsky put it, they manufacture consent for their actions by relying on the idea that the media will not understand and will not adequately explain what a lockout versus a strike is. Yeah. And they will blame the players for not coming back to a job that they are being locked out of that doing. They can't do. Yes. And so that is that is one way that that you know, labor will will get consent and get public support on their side. You always always wondering like when you go through this, look for all the subtle ways. If you see this covered by ESPN and sports mm -hmm. illustrated who get their access to players through the NFL and the ownership group, they don't get mm -hmm. their access through any negotiations with the players. And they'll also make no money. Yes. If, if the games are not being played. Yes. So they have an express interest in ownership, getting a deal. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 Look at how they cast the the labor action yeah. as we go forward and pay attention, especially to little slips, like just calling it a strike or a prospective striker yeah. or using the phrase work stoppage in place of lockout because a work stoppage means is a bullshit neutral term that takes away impetus, yeah. takes away the agency as to who started what work stoppage is a umbrella term that could be a strike or it could be a, we a don't lockout. Know. We don't know. Yeah. That don't, it's, it's equal on both sides. Yes. Don't fall for that. It does not work that way. <laughs> so one less preseason game, one more regular season game for the next 10 seasons is the ownership's proposal. Oh, why? Why? <laughs> So a cynic or even an idealist, which <laughs> there might be a few of them at this table might ask, writes, uh, writes kill, kills here. Doesn't this mean the owners put the fans entertainment value above the players well-being? Can't you run a 15 billion a year business without per possessing a cold hearted uh, without possessing a cold hearted sliver for capitalism a 17th regular season game would generate con considerably greater national media revenue than a fourth season preseason game. And then he goes through what would be in return for that. And that's kind of what we outlined before. So so that's that's kind of the, the thing of like, you know, they, the question is even being asked now, like, is there 
is there some way that this could happen without adding a 17th game? Like yeah, well, a $15 should. billion dollar a year industry. Yeah. What if it was, what if it was a 14 and a half billion dollar a year industry? Yeah. That's like the one thing we can't do in, in this country is ever have less profits than we, than we did the year before. It's not possible. We need a, what's that? Our economy is moving at the same pace it was before. Slash our taxes so that we can, we can see slight improvements in profits over the next two years before it tanks. Um, I guess just for perspective, in 2005, NBA players received 57% of the income. As of 2011, they get 50%. Yep. Um, so, you know, and big now, drops there. Yeah. And I'm sure so the MLB is a similar. 17th game and a sub 50% revenue sharing ridiculous. agreement. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, and like we said, you know, right now it's, it is the CBA has hit, hit the players and Mm -hmm. yeah, JJ Watt hard no on that proposed CBA. That's about all you're going to see from the players of it. The, the real questions are going to happen when, if there is a lockout, which I'm assuming there will be based Mm -hmm. on uh, how inflexible the owners are about wanting a 17th game. The players at the bottom, the players who need to be in training camp and competing for minimum salaries and working for it, how long are they going to be able to go without a paycheck? How long are they going to be willing to allow the union management to negotiate with it? Yeah. And how good is the union going to be at maintaining solidarity and how well funded is the union's lockout fund? Yeah. I'm assuming it's, Fairly well funded. I, I would hope so. You know, it, I and, hope they've not skipped out on this yep. one. And th- these are questions, of course, that have plagued more unions than just very powerful nationwide NFL players unions. Yeah. How big is your strike fund? How much How much is the bureaucracy at the top of your union skimming off your strike fund? Mm-hmm. Is is the bureaucracy actually profiting from a strike or is are they paying it out properly? Yeah. These are, you know long-term things. And this is corruption that plagues every organization ever. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the, these questions are going to find out um, as far as the makeup of the NFL players union right now at the head of it is D Marie Smith, who has been there for a decade. He is generally fairly well regarded. Uh, he was an elect to a second term in 2012. And the general reputation of a, on Smith is that he runs the players union in a top down fashion. Like there is, there is a cadre of people that, okay. yeah, that let's right. do what he says. All right. You know, the last CBA wasn't incredible, but he did get it in the season got played yeah. and they didn't add a 17th game. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's better than nothing. Yeah. His, uh, his ability to do it again <laughs> would we'll be, see. and, Another question is, is how well connected mm-hmm. is D. Marie Smith? Because, of course, like I'm not going to go into some of the further back history of the union, union right now. One, mm-hmm. because I don't know it. Two, because I don't have time. But the NFL essentially exists as a monopoly and is allowed to. Yeah. Like you've seen hearings regarding baseball. You've seen that sort of thing. Yeah. Can. Is D. Marie Smith connected enough to be able to, if he needs to, draw political pressure mm-hmm. on the owners? Yeah. In order to get the players what they want. Like the owners do not want to get have to answer any sort of public hearing questions. No. 
in no front of a chance. congressional subcommittee. No chance. Or in front of the entire Congress. That That is not something that they want. No. And, God. You put an owner in front of the house. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Or you're going to get threatened grilled. to have, threaten them to have to actually open up their books. Yeah. Going to get grilled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, another thing about this is, is unlike when the last CBA was, was negotiated, there is a second football league now. There is hungry for good talent. And while they don't pay very much and they don't have any good talent, they have no, they have very little good talent. Uh, and they, I'm sure the XFL would be open to paying players more if they were able to secure a few big shots. You know what I mean? And so, I wonder if that has any 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 effect on this. You know, if it goes to lockout, do we see players go to the XFL? Do we see some some of the kind of lower tier guys, the guys on minimum contracts, dropping out and going to the XFL just to get a paycheck and play? Now, last year when the AAF came in, yeah, we we had a a, a brief flirtation on this show yeah, with the AAF. We tried, yeah. And, well, the the AAF had a brief flirtation with itself, yeah, it and great. then it broke up with itself, yeah, and nothing it went well. But have you been following XFL football at all? Because I confess, I've, I haven't watched a snap. Of I haven't watched a single snap. I've worked every okay. day. The XFL has been on. Yeah, I've. I've actually, that's been the only day that I've had off for the last, <laughs> last month. So I have not, you know, my no sports on Sunday rule has been good since, good. since football finished up. I, yeah. I've been doing other things on Sunday other than watching sports, but the XFL, um, mixed, mixed bag of reactions to it, at least mm-hmm. coming from the media. It's all I've seen Yeah, in one hand, people are talking about like, well, where does the XFL expand next season? Like there's a lot of talk about like where where are they adding teams can't, next season? Can't rush. And at the other half of it, I'm seeing pictures of empty stadiums. Yeah, of course. Like absolutely empty stadiums yeah. that these games are being played in front of. And I do know that Vince McMahon is in a better financial situation as are all billionaires. Yeah. Or multimillionaires. I don't know which one he is technically. I think he's probably a billionaire. Yeah, probably. I do know that he is in a better financial situation now than when he first started the XFL, but I'm also not sure if he has enough to absorb an entire losing season of the XFL. I know that one of the things that McMahon wants to do is, of course, compete with the NFL. That would, yeah. nothing would make you know a true megalomaniac like Vince McMahon happier. Oh my God! Than yeah. to be sort of a, a one uh, to create a one man fiefdom, and also you know remember if we're talking about the XFL in the in the context of labor negotiations, Vince McMahon is not successful because he's the best wrestling promoter. <laughs> In, in the world, yeah. he is successful because he has systematically and fully destroyed any concept of unionization or solidarity amongst professional wrestlers in the United States of America. Yeah. He is successful for no other reason than, and like he is as rich and as wealthy as he is for no other reason than the fact that he is, has ruthlessly suppressed any sort of, of player solidarity inside his company and that the XFL exists as a, a way of combating any sort of player solidarity in the NFL as well. And that the XFL, the XFL's rise would be a harbinger of a new bad era for professional athletes in the football world. They first off XFL does not have a 
a labor union. Players did not form a labor union by the time play commenced. Uh, thus, league policies are not subject to collective bargaining. Also, Vince McMahon worth two point one billion. Okay, so yep. he can take a little bit of a hit on a few years of the XFL. He can struggling. take a few. Yeah, he can. He could run for president four times. Oh yeah, he's on the Mike Bloomberg calculation. God, yeah, ridiculous. Hey Mike. Hey Mike. Hey Mike. Fuck you. <laughs> it's election season. Hey, Mike. It's a good time. Um, uh, bad, bad news about. <laughs> sorry about your offices getting vandalized in Flint, Michigan, but with the money that you've spent on advertisements, you could have fixed the pipes twice and still had a hundred million dollars left over, which is a fucking dent in your sixty billion dollars. Fuck you. We are we are to the point now where where. The cynicism of the world outpaces my ability to understand it. And I'm a cynic. Oh, and I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Because if, because I put myself like a normal, a normal person who doesn't have like my brain poisoned by having billions of dollars or growing up wealthy sure. or anything. You know, I'm, I'm a normal person. And I think to myself, well, if I was a billionaire like Mike Bloomberg and I was trying to say run for president like Mike Bloomberg is, um, Mike Bloomberg has not a cent that he spent has gone to anything worthwhile or good. Oh, and that's the amazing part is that like, well, who the fuck is running his campaign? They're an idiot. Oh yeah. Um, they're absolute. The whole thing is grift from top to bottom. Yes. Like, like people are just like taking Mike Bloomberg's money to do nothing, which is funny, which is what I would also, do. Hey Mike, but also very, 6, bleak. yeah, that's also very bleak because like, you think with that amount of money that like one good gesture like a even like a nationwide good gesture like i have just paid to fix all the pipes in flint michigan like straight up flint michigan here is a check i'm not president yeah. and i'm doing things that the president was never able to do yeah look at this look at what i can do yeah look look Great. what i can do it would still be cynical and awful because it would be a private citizen essentially like auditioning to be king yeah which would, <laughs> yeah. Which would no. still be well, terrible hey we have a king currently the supreme court the what kept you from killing Congress the king in, decided, you know, in the yeah. past is that he fixed the road outside your your house but like <laughs> come on I, I just don't understand Mike Bloomberg. I've got to stop this Mike Bloomberg digression because I, I, I viscerally dislike him about as much as I've ever viscerally disliked any public figure that I know about only through the media. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the point being though, is that under, you know, we can try to explain this to folks a little bit, but like if you, if you wonder why this matters also know that like, and I've said this a bunch of times on this show that how the NFL's players union and labor movement does and the NFL's players union is full of very popular people mm -hmm. who have a lot of wherewithal and are, are very much uh, recognizable. They have celebrity, they have all sorts of things they have, they have for the most part, a lot of public goodwill on their side. Yeah. If they are not able to get favorable terms for a labor union, it speaks it's a it's a yeah. bellwether, you know. It's a barometer of yeah. how the rest of the labor movement in America is going. And you know, the the quick summary on how that's going, folks, is not good, not well, not well, not well, not not well, well. at all. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, the ability for players to get what they want is if it's not directly materially tied to like you as a worker out there being mm. able to get what you want, but their success or failure is a predictor of how well you are going to be able to do. And, you know, it's not only that, but it's a, also a reflection of how well you have not been able to do, yeah. you know, currently. And 
a, a strong move by the union empowers empowers people from the the ability. It expands the Overton window of what is possible mm-hmm. as not not so much as like it creates immediate benefits for you very much in the way that you know, the Sanders candidacy isn't. It, it's an Overton window movement in that ex, it expands it expands the frame of what we talk about as being possible. Yes. By uh, by our by the government by elected officials it expands the possibility of whose interests they represent. Yeah. Which is is the government fighting for the people yes. or the rich? Which is why it is important. It's but so <laughs> yes, so it's very important. important. It's so very important. There's only one president. There's one presidential candidate that's fighting for you, yeah. the people. It's, it's it's one of those guys. Elizabeth Warren's close too, but it's it's really it's really mainly Bernie. <laughs> yeah, she's had a rough year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, yeah, I've I've been a I've been a Bernie supporter for a long time, but you know this uh, this year from the uh, from the original calculation of it, I thought Warren had a much better chance. Yes. And uh, you know, for for Sanders, I have been shocked at how well he's done. Uh, it's I, been very encouraging. I opened the campaign going, Warren's going to win this. I'm big yep. on Warren. Oh, yeah. And Me too, actually. It's it's slowly faded and faded. Is yeah. she's I think compromised a little bit more and compromised a little bit more and compromised a little bit more. Her background is also awful. Like there's yeah. there's no getting around how bad how bad her background is. Yeah. Some of the like some of the lawyer. some of the things that uh, some of the things that came out in like sound ba- sound bites. Mm, I know, haven't heard that. any of the sound bites. Well, like the little things of like, you know, Warren claiming to be a Native American on multiple forms at Harvard in order to qualify for like different statuses there. Like it looks bad on paper and it sounds bad when, you know, Donald Trump is making fun of it on television. (laughs) And then it becomes like it kind of becomes gauche as a, you know, as a progressive or a a leftist to make fun of that, because then you're 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 making some fun of something the president also makes fun of. But like on, you know, the full report part of it is worse yeah. than, than the soundbite. And it's worse than just like, you know, Donald Trump, like, you know, Pocahontas is not a slur, but out of his mouth, it is, yeah. you know, makes it, it's worse on paper than Trump just saying a slur about it, which is, you know, just, I also love this idea. Like we learn it every day. Like there's, there's some, you know, there's always some sort of like vaguely liberal or media type person who's like, guys, I think the president is rude. I think, yeah, I every think day he's maybe sort of, not yeah. a nice guy. And we're like, okay, Chris Matthews, every, you're just coming yeah. around to that. Every day we sort of gasp, like, can you believe how rude he is? And, and we yes. forget what he did yesterday. Yes. We forget, I, like, I believe how rude he is. God. I'm aware of how rude the president is. Uh, this digression <laughs> needs, needs to end very much. But sure. uh, yeah, just, yeah, remember that these negotiations matter because they, they, they're a reflection of the culture at which right now in the, in the U.S. is deeply unfriendly to workers. And if you are wondering whether or not you are a worker, if you received a paycheck you are a this month, you are a worker. <laughs> Just by the way. Yeah, and also, I'm not, yeah. your owner, the, whoever runs your company that you work for, that you got that paycheck for, does not care. I'm not talking about all. like some cigar chomping, like, you know, labor boss in New York <laughs> who ceased to <laughs> exist <laughs> 20 years ago, you know, and is on like a, a seven hour u- mandated union safety break. I'm talking about you. You're a worker. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we each each one of us sitting here and most likely everyone listening to it, unless you're sitting at home making your money off of Bitcoin or whatever it is that you do. <laughs> In which case you are a rube. But In which we are, case, do your own yeah. thing, I guess. You're doing whatever. Well, we are talking about workers. Um we will be back because we're gonna 
actually talk about the draft yeah sooner rather than later as in like sometime during march yeah you and i are going to talk about the draft a little bit more yes you got time yeah plenty of time (laughs) (laughs) and uh yes we were we were gone for a while we are back now we'll never apologize if we're gone again look forward to not being apologized to then either that was an apology and we don't do that (laughs) (laughs) you can't even say it derisively (laughs) I can't even make say sorry to make fun of you. No. <laughs> so we will be back and we will continue to not apologize for not podcasting, but we are still podcasting. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And until next time. Um, uh, first off, I want to say Cheesehead of the Week, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. For this saying no on the CBA. Thanks for that. Uh, until next time, stay cheesy, baby. There you go. 